Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. Yes, that's right. If you're here looking for the NateHoldridge.com podcast, rest assured, you're in the right place. (laughs) You got the right feed. You're subscribed to the right channel. This is the same podcast, just with a new name. And so Pastor Nate's going to get into that in a little bit about why we changed the name. But before we get into the conversation today, let's just talk for a moment about what this episode is all about. This is all about adopting the right body life for the Christian and for the church. What we'll be talking about is what kind of perspectives and ideas should a Christian have about their own personal life, about their identity um, as a human being in the church, and how does that affect the way that the Christian then serves and operates within the church community. And so we're just praying today that you're encouraged in your identity as a son or daughter of Christ, and that from that identity that you're propelled into loving your church, serving your church, and giving your life to the mission of God through your church. So without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation for today. We're back. We're back. It has been a bit of time, but man, we are yeah. back. The summer has come and gone. You went on vacation. Tell us about your vacation real quick. What was like a highlight from your vacation? Yeah, I hate talking about my vacation because <laughs> I just feel like I'm rubbing it in. It just is so awesome. Just the you best. Know? I mean, the Bible does say rejoice with those who rejoice. Come so on. I do rejoice over that time. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's such a habit for us. You know, we always go to the same exact place, do the same exact stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, my kids are addicted to it and just helps you relax, I think, more quickly when you're not thinking about where are we going to go? What restaurants should we eat at? Yeah. You know, just all those little things, mm-hmm. the million decisions you have to make. You just kind of get into relaxation Sabbath mode real quick. Yeah. And so uh, it was great. Yeah. Lake Tahoe, God made it. It's just so Amen, clear. Man. He made that place. It's just <laughs> so beautiful. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't want to give the impression that I'm like a monk up there, you know, just going on, <laughs> you know, 10 hour prayer hikes every mm. day or anything like that. I'm, I'm eating my fair share of food and just, you know, sitting on the beach and all that. But uh, the Lord totally speaks to me while mm. I'm up there also, That's you good. know, and I have some great times of prayer, some great times of reading. And I think mm. I got through like a dozen books this year while I was up there. It was kind of a little bit much actually, but um, you know, just different things that I really sense the Lord speaking to me about. So yeah, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. So I, I mean, the way a podcast works, it's like probably there's plenty of people that are downloading this in February. Right. That's know? true. <laughs> so it's September right yeah, now for us, so, but it might so be welcome, a but, for somebody but, else. Uh, yeah, it was great. And, and, you know, I really missed this. Yeah. You know, I missed me like too. sitting, talking with you about scripture and the mm-hmm. Lord and, and, um, you know, edifying, hopefully people that are tuning in. And, and if you are, you know, a listener, uh, thank you so much for, for being a part of this coming back. Yeah. It's so cool. (laughs) It is so cool. One of the things that the Lord spoke to you about during your vacation was the name change for this podcast. Can you talk about that for a second? So this is the Jesus famous podcast. Yeah, totally. So, you know, my, my website 
is nateholdridge.com. And right. it's always bugged me a little bit just because, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel egotistical about it. It's mm-hmm. like embarrassing for me to even say that, you know, that's my site. And I really kind of was praying about, Lord, do you want me to change the name? You know, our mm-hmm. church, um, vision statement is Jesus famous. Right. And so I thought about that, you know, do I want it to be jesusfamous.com, which I think could be a cool domain, a cool site. But, uh, also I really sensed the Lord confirming for me that he wants me to not be embarrassed about things that mm. I'm doing for him and about writing in particular. Yeah. And, you know, 99 out of a hundred writers use their name as their domain. You know, it's just, Hey, how can I find you? How can I find what you do <laughs> and what you produce? Yeah. Well, it's at my right. you know, so I, I, I re-upped my commitment to, you know, mm-hmm. that domain. But in thinking about it with the podcast, I think you and I were both just really feeling like, you know, yeah, we're talking about articles that mm-hmm. Nate Holdridge has written about scripture. But, um, y- you know, we, I think, feel like we want to be able to minister to a lot of people that yeah. are believers who mm-hmm. may or may not know who Nate Holdridge is, but right. who definitely know who Jesus is. Yeah. And since the articles I write have that emphasis uh, that our church has, you know, of Jesus Famous, we thought, oh, that'd be a great name for the yeah. podcast, the Jesus Famous podcast. You know, I we're to, here to talk about the Lord, talk about his word. Uh, different gleanings or things that I've taught about him and about his word. And so the Jesus Famous podcast with Nate Holdridge and Riley Monza. Yeah, man. It's cool. It just captures the heart, I think, of what we're really just talking about. Yeah, it's just all about following Jesus. I love it. I, I, I got to ask you just one more thing, and then we'll get into the conversation. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I'm holding right here. This is a book that you wrote. Nobody can see this right now, but yeah. I'm holding a book called Let Us Hear Studies on the Seven Letters of Christ in Revelation 2 through 3 by Nate Holdridge. Yeah. Tell us about this real quick. Yeah, it's kind of exciting. You know, I, I um, asked the church last year to pray that I'd be able to get connected to a publisher and Crosslink Publishers, small little uh, Christian publishing house, mm-hmm. uh, said yes to this manuscript it's a brief book you know 140 pages or so and about the seven letters that christ wrote to the churches in asia minor in revelation 2 and 3 and to me those are really important letters for us to to get into because um you know the modern church we you know we're like any other era of church history we Mm -hmm. have our problems and our imbalances and Jesus addressed every church, but not even so much every church. I think it was also every kind of believer yeah. that is out mm-hmm. there or every type of error that singular believers can get into over the mm-hmm. course of a lifetime. You know, I, I like to think of it that probably within every church, you have all seven yeah. churches in Revelation 2 and 3 represented and probably in every believer in an in a given church, you'll have times where they are more prominently one or the other of those seven churches. So it's just, to me, just so beautiful to read what Jesus had to say 
you know, oh, yeah. to each of those churches and the encouragement he gave, the correction he gave and, and uh, the teaching and the promises that he gave. So it's just an expansion on all those letters an explanation and trying to apply them uh, into our lives. So I like it. I think it's a good book yeah. and, and I hope and pray that it'll edify and help a lot of people. Yeah. I'm praying the same thing too. One of my favorite things about this study you did, I'm, I'm excited to read the book, but it's just cool to hear like how prophetic Jesus was to the churches and still priestly and kingly and everything. But just like, man, the prophetic truth of Jesus is just wild. So really excited to get this. If you're listening to this and you want to read this book, um, it's available soon. It's up on Amazon for pre-order. It's going to be a digital download, hardcover copy. Yeah, Whatever I think you it's want. just in a couple of weeks, our time that it comes out. So probably for most people, by the time they listen to this podcast, it'll yeah. be available. Yeah, Just in time for Christmas, man. Christmas. Can you believe that? Great oh my little gosh. stocking stuffer. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty cheap. So yeah. yeah, it's a good read. All right. Well, today, let's get into our episode. We're talking about one of these Ephesian articles that you've been writing, which I've been digging. These yeah. are coming out oh, every thanks. Thursday um, on your website up and through the end of the year. But this one in particular is really cool. It's called Adopt the Right Attitude for Body Life. Um, it's coming right out of Ephesians chapter 4, the first few verses that um, open up in chapter 4. Nate, I thought you could kind of get us off on the right start by telling us about this passage, what, mm-hmm. what Paul is talking to the Ephesian church about. Um, so what, what was going on in this letter up until this point, and uh, what is he saying to the Ephesians. Yeah, so four. Ephesians 1 through 3 is highly theological and mm-hmm. it's an explanation of I mean there's a lot of ways to describe it, but one way to describe it would be the new humanity that Yeah, I love that. the cross of Christ produced the mm-hmm. church, you know, there's this new organism that's alive and real and exists. Mm that did not exist previously, but it exists now because of the blood of Jesus, that we were dead in trespasses and sins individually, that we were followers of the course of this world individually, that we were submitted to, whether we knew it or not, to the prince of the power of the air individually, but because we were all of those things individually, we were all of that corporately. But God, Ephesians 2 verse 4, who is rich in mercy and in love, You know, he sent his son for us to die Mm -hmm. for us, to take our place for us. And as an individual places their faith in Christ, they become individually saved, but also part of the community of the saved. Right. And so that new humanity where there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, those walls of separation have been broken down and we're just totally new in Christ. That's what Paul, you know, in a nutshell was focused on in chapter one through three of Ephesians. So when you get to chapter four, he really turns the corner and begins to talk about how to live inside that new humanity, how to live inside that church. And one um, metaphor that he uses is that of a body, but he talks in Ephesians 4 verse 1 through 3 his his exhortation is I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with and then he just has all these descriptions I want you to walk with humility and gentleness and patience and bear with one another in love and maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond in the bond of peace Mm. so 
you know, for me, just thinking about like, okay, he's going to say a lot of things about church life, about church structure, how the church is to work. And then not just, and I think sometimes we'll, when we think of, okay, church life, we think about like when we gather together on Sundays, but he right. talks about marriage and mm-hmm. workplace mm-hmm. and um, parenting and, you know, a lot of different networks of relationships that are all, it's still church, yeah. but it's just not maybe the classic, you know, as we think of it, like on a Sunday gathering kind of thing. Yeah. And in all that, he has this attitude that he wants us to have. And I realize that you could say attitudes, plural, with things like humility, gentleness, mm. patience, bearing yeah. with one another in love, and maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. But if you think about all of them together, it's like this: there's just this one big attitude that you have to have in order for body life, church life, to work well, yeah, to function well. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. Before we get into kind of like the guts of the article, um, you, you did mention just now how in this little chunk of verses that Paul talks about walking in a manner worthy of your calling. And I wonder if you could just kind of talk to us about that word calling. What What is that? What was Paul kind of getting at just with the word calling? Is it anything specific? Yeah. So with the, and when he uses it there, he's not talking about it. it it's all about the context, right? So right. he's not talking about calling in some... Uh, ministerial or vocational right. calling like he would when he talked to Timothy, for instance. Mm-hmm. And when he uses the word calling there, it's in the context of you have been called to the Lord. You have mm-hmm. been called to the gospel. You've been mm-hmm. called to the family of God. He chose you. He loved you. He uh, wanted you to be part of his family. So he brought you into that. That's the calling that is on your life. And not only that but like how did he call you well Hmm. he called you through the cross of christ he called you through that gospel like your way to get to god was through the precious blood of jesus christ so when you think of calling here it's like it's a blood saturated invitation into this family like you are called Hmm. and so, so it's it's that but then it's also not just that you came out of something, but you were called into something. You were called into this holy family with this holy God with righteousness and purity Mm. and forgiveness and lack of shame and dishonor and all of that. So Mm. you were called out of and into uh, by, you know, the Lord through the blood of Jesus. Yeah. So I, I think that's important because, um, you know, I think we live in an era where uh, I think plenty of believers dabble in antinomianism. I don't think mm-hmm. they call it that for the most part, but just the idea that God's grace is uh, gives license and permissiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, almost the thought being that the opposite of that view would be that Uh, God is calling us into law or legalism. But Paul just had, he did not have that concept in his mind. For him, it was not about legalism or about license. For him, what he saw was, I have been called by Jesus into this community that is to be holy and set apart 
because the blood of Christ enabled us to be so. Right. Therefore, now that I've been, now that I've died to the law, Romans 7, mm-hmm. and I have a different relationship with it than ever before. Before it was like the way that I had a standing before God, which yeah. was just a bad standing. It was, mm-hmm. I couldn't keep it. So I failed before God. But now my relationship with the law isn't to spurn it or to hate it. My relationship with the law is I love it. That's what the spirit mm. is trying to produce in me. Yeah. Jesus forgave me of falling short of the glory of God, but he also has now made a way for me by his spirit to actually become more like the thing that I couldn't attain mm. to previously. So I've been called to that. I've been called to holiness. So when that's what Paul's talking about when he says, hey, walk worthy of the calling with yeah. which you've been called. It's like, get your head up, man. Like you yeah, are, that's good. you are more holy and mm. righteous and pure than you ever knew. That's what Jesus Christ has done for you if you believed in him. So it's a big calling. It's a beautiful Amen. calling. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I thought we could talk about a couple of things that you said in the article pertaining to um, our calling, both on like that personal kind of level between us and the Lord and between um, that kind of communal aspect between us and the church. The first being more of like a personal thing. Um, one thing you mentioned in the article, you said, often as we search the pages of scripture to find out what we ought to do, which is a good practice, we must remember more who we are. We must walk worthy of our calling. Hmm. And I wonder if we could talk about that for a second, just because, you know, sometimes, um, I don't know if I'm just alone in this, but sometimes I feel like I'll approach scripture and just be like, God, show me what to do with my life. Like, help me make this next decision. Speak to me about this thing that I have going on in my life. But what it seems like, and I love the way you've been saying it so far, it seems like you and Paul both mentioned that our identity in Christ is our compass. You know, it's like that's our, yeah, it's our, it's our calling. It. So it's like, what does this identity in Christ do for us in times when we're seeking direction? You think? Yeah, that's that's just I think so helpful that to to consider the Holy Spirit just reminding us of our calling, you know, yeah. who we are in mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, maybe to put some flesh on this a little bit yeah. for somebody, I'll just give an example from just everyday life. Mm-hmm. I was in a meeting a couple of days ago with a couple of the pastors here. You know, we were, I forget even what we were discussing. It was a Monday meeting, so. <laughs> the foggy day Oh, man, Sunday. I always have to really ask for the <laughs> Lord to help me with those Monday meetings. And, you know, to be just honest about it, I I was just, I was just in a mood, Hmm. you know, I was just in a mood and, you know, just in one of those Eeyore, you know, Hmm. everything's dark, you know, kind of moods. Yeah. And, you know, I've really grown a lot in that kind of thing over the years. And, um, but, you know, I succumbed to just those darker feelings for a Mm -hmm. moment and you know I walked away and you know the next morning I just was kind of thinking about it praying about it and you know I was confessing it as a sin to the Lord you Mm -hmm. know just God I'm, I'm you know I'm really sorry for that you know that I that I let myself kind of get swallowed up by some negativity and unnecessarily so it wasn't even true stuff it was just kind of going there and 
I really sensed through, I think what I was reading that morning, I can't remember the exact passage, but I just really sensed the spirit just pointing his finger on, Mm. Hey, like that is, it just is unbecoming of who you are. You are a saved, cleansed, purified man. You are Mm. on Jesus's team. Mm -hmm. Like you are guaranteed at the end of the day to be on the winning side of things, you know, like you are in the right spot and you need to, when you're walking into a meeting or you're walking into, you know, an environment like that, you need to carry that calling of Christ on your life into that environment. Why let yourself go into acting that kind of way? Because it contradicts the calling that yeah. you, that you have, you know, so walk worthy of the calling with which you've mm. been called, you know, to take Ephesians uh, chapter four uh, into that context. Yeah. So I, all that to say, it wasn't so much for me that it was a, you know, verse that I read about right. like, Hey, don't complain or a verse that I read about like, Hey, have a positive attitude, yeah. you know, or anything yeah, yeah. like that. It was just, are you in Jesus? Are you in mm. Christ? Do you belong to him? Yeah. You know, are you saved? Are you made holy? Like act differently than yeah. that, you know, walk worthy of the calling with mm. which you've been called. So it's just kind of, I think what we're trying to point out is there's just this general thing where you might not even know the chapter and verse that helps you with a specific, like, Ooh, don't, do that or I should do this or here's an area of obedience and those things are great to study and learn of course I mean Mm -hmm. we have God's word given to us for a reason but sometimes at the end of the day the it's just real simple to ask like is this thing that I'm getting into right now or this attitude I'm pursuing is it worthy of the calling with which I've been called you know how I'm treating my wife right now how I'm treating this person that you know is kind of bugging me uh the way that I'm eating right now, you know, my rhythms and priorities, yeah. is this worthy of the mm. calling with which I've been called? You know, that's so good. too often. The question it seems like people ask is like, is it allowed? Is it right. permissible? Right. And look, right. I think that sometimes those are good questions to ask. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be remiss to say that, that that was wrong to ask those kind of questions because right. I think it was the Pharisees who made that error to say like, whatever God wants, we're going to draw a line Mm. way behind that so that we never disobey him. We're not even going to come close to it. And that turned into some pretty harsh legalism over the years. So I think it's okay to like ask the question, is this okay? Like, would God allow this? You know, because sometimes we get all hot and bothered about things that God is not hot and bothered about. Totally, totally. But Sometimes that question of just, is this befitting my identity Mm. in Christ is just a real good question to ask. Amen. I love how the Holy Spirit, like you, you actually said this today at our staff chapel, how the Holy Spirit just kind of comes alongside of us and guides us and reminds us of who we are. I think it's so beautiful. Kind of jumping out from that, even just thinking, I mean, what a great example you just mentioned about your own personal life when coming to a room of other believers you mentioned later on in the article, you said, when we bring Christ-like attitudes into the body of Christ, we are drawn to one another. And uh, I just want to ask you, what were the Christ-like a- attributes that Paul wanted the church 
to exemplify? And why is it important that people within the church um, would be even drawn to each other? Like, why would he want to see the church um, exemplify Christ-like attitudes to be drawn to each other? Was there a significance to that? Hmm. Well, I mean, later what he's going to describe is that the he'll he'll expand on the body idea. Yeah. We haven't even really gotten into it, to it in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 right. yet. But he'll expand on the body idea. And his idea of the body is that Jesus is the head. Hmm. So the things yeah. he thinks, his emotions, his will, his desires, his feelings, his impulses... To, to Paul, it makes all the sense in the world that then the body members would live that out. You know, it's yeah. just like totally confusing to imagine a hand with its own mind. It's yeah. just living out whatever the the head, the brain, That's the right. mind desires, mm-hmm. you know. So in Paul's way of thinking about it then, you know, Jesus is humble. Jesus is kind jesus is patient and Mm. so it just stands to reason that his mind as 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 it flows through his body would be expressed in the way individual members treat you know one another and treat their world because we have the mind of christ his mind is kind of leading us and and guiding our lives so in in a sense you could say that one of the goals or the desires of the church is that we would become more in line and less dysfunctional you know that that. we'd be like a working body you know absolutely and um rather than you know i mean obviously we understand it as a sickness or a handicap if or a Mm -hmm. disability if there is a body where the brain cannot communicate to the rest of the body or the body does not listen to the directions that the brain is giving that particular body you know we yeah. what the way we think things should work you know the way the body was designed to work is that it would respond to the head so that's what all those attitudes are there in Ephesians 4 1 that's through so 3 cool. you know humility gentleness patience bearing with one another in love either eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace yeah. Jesus was all about all of those things mm-hmm. so it just stands to reason that it would be uh, that each one of those would be manifest in the way that we treat each other I mean obviously humility he went to the cross he suffered yeah. he died he was humbled Paul said in Ephesians 2 to the point of death, even death on the cross. Hmm. Gentleness, I mean, just the way that he treated the humans that were in his life. You know, there yeah. was there was always a real courtesy and a gentleness. Um, not with uh, the pharisaical legalism, he would get pretty stern about mm-hmm. that. Uh, but I think you could probably build a case that it actually was pretty gentle in, in comparison with what he could say, have done yeah. in response to mm-hmm. some of those attitudes. Um, but you know, the disciples, the women that were in his life and ministry and those who came to him, patience, there was just so much patience and the Lord just allowing time and space to pass by for people to be sanctified, to grow, to make their mistakes, to, yeah. you know, um, get out, the wrong thoughts and ideas mm-hmm. and come come con- become confronted with the truth. There's a lot of patience there, bearing with one another in love. Jesus had that. You know, there was just a long process of like commitment oh, totally. to a group of people yeah. that was going to take a long period of time. You know, it's astounding how quickly people will just like 
get offended at, in yeah. a church setting and just dip, you totally. know, and just take off. Like yeah. I'm, I, my feelings got hurt. There's no bearing with one another in love. It yeah. seems like, mm-hmm. um, and then eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I always remember that story where the, a couple of the, I think it was James and John, they came to Jesus, you know, hey, this guy was casting out demons, you know, in your name, should we rebuke him, you know, should we call down fire, you know, on him, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. But Jesus just always had this attitude of, you know, he wanted, there was this bond of peace with other brothers and sisters, you know, in the family. And he wanted to keep that peace. Like that mind of Jesus happening in us uh, increasingly is beautiful. Amen. And thinking about, you know, the calling that we have personally as we then kind of move into like exemplifying Christ-like attitudes to the church. So we think about this kind of movement into, you know, being a church that falls in line with the mind of Christ and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of leads into one of these last things you mentioned in the article. You said that the noble spirit allows the church to accomplish much for Christ. And so I thought we can kind of and the conversation here, I'd love for you to speak about this for a second. What are some things that the church should be accomplishing for Christ? Um, and as the church, what should we be placing our focus on? Mm. Kind of with all that in mind, and I know you'll probably explain that more as you go through the book of Ephesians, but do you have any thoughts about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you ask 10 different people that question, yeah, you know. might get 10 different answers. And it's clear that in this passage, you know, Paul just, it's like, if there was anybody who was aware of the deficiencies Mm -hmm. in the church, it was Paul, Mm -hmm. you know, you get people pontificating about the deficiencies of the church today. And it's like, we're, you know, we're a couple thousand years removed from the original. Mm -hmm. Um, so the platform from which we could speak about it, I think is, you know, not a strong one all the time. And then also, we often want to make comments about the church that we haven't even been exposed to, you know, we haven't yeah. even seen, you mm-hmm. know, but Paul had traveled extensively. He'd seen where the church was at. He knew about deficiencies in the church, but this was a spirit inspired vision that he had mm-hmm. of like, it's working, Absolutely. you know, it's working. Yeah. And I love that. I love that hope. You know, I yeah, love that hope. I think too. in an age where a lot of, especially younger people are disillusioned with, organizations and leadership Mm -hmm. and churches, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just good. Like, Hey, you gotta have hope. Like Paul was not, he didn't have this Pollyannish, um, silly perspective Mm. about the church. Like he just had no idea that corruption could exist or that people would have power trips or that money could be abused or women could be taken advantage of, or children could be abused. Like it wasn't that he had no clue that those things could exist. He just had this alternative vision of what could be, you know, and what they could be working on and fighting for. So, I mean, in Ephesians, at least four, five, and six, you know, it's focus on the word based ministries equipping people for their individual spiritual uh, giftedness and mm. call and individual purposes in life. Mm. So, focus on as a church being built up for the work of the ministry. Now I've found that people have lots of different, different definitions for what that means. The work of ministry for one person means, um, prepping the coffee mm-hmm. for the Thursday night knitting group. Important. You know, I know that's a ministry you're into. <laughs> um, 
but for other people it means the career that yeah. they have mm-hmm. you know that they see it as a ministry before god that they want to you know fill the earth subdue it do their job you know right. make something out of nothing you know so to speak or, or take the something that god has given us and do something with it um so i think it's a i probably lean towards it being a broader kind of mm-hmm. concept you know the work of the ministry than just uh church wall centric, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stuff. But clearly there's an other centeredness to the work of the ministry of building up other people. So it could be evangelism. It could be discipleship. It could be counseling. It could be just, you know, helping someone grow in their relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as he goes on, he will get into the family and the workplace and, you know, marriage and things like that. But, I mean, so the, the short answer is to do the work of making disciples. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the short work. I just probably have like a broader definition in my mind of what a disciple is all the time. You know, it's not necessarily just, they just do like a really good study group, you know, mm. and that's it. It's people that are allowing God and his word, the gospel to kind of infiltrate everything they do in life you know they might be heavily involved in their church they might not be but you know they're really allowing the lord to work through their everyday experience in life if you'd like any more content from pastor nate you can always find more resources at nateholdridge.com or calvary.com And if you'd like to stay in touch just with what Pastor Nate is speaking about and writing about on a regular basis, you can go to nateholdridge.com and sign up for his newsletter there. Also, be on the lookout for Pastor Nate's new book called Let Us Hear. It's coming out soon, and you can pre-order it today online. Thanks again for joining us today in this conversation, and until next time, God bless you.